Welcome to The Queer Bean, a podcast about the art and business and joy and struggles of creating a queer media empire. I'm Alicia. And I'm Christina. And each episode, we're going to dive into the process of creating awesome content for awesome queers. So this week, we are talking about distribution for queer content. But... Yes. But... Before we get into that, I actually want to do like a quick aside because I have some news. Mm. And the news is the third episode of Batman Batwoman was actually kind of good. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> I yeah. haven't kept up. I mean, and understandable why you haven't after oh, episode right. 1, but I watched episode 2. I heard it was a lot better so I tried to watch it and I bailed like a minute or two in because they started with those goddamn voiceovers and flashbacks again and I was like I just I can't I can't yes but then everybody was like no the second episode is really a lot better so I tried again okay and I enjoyed it oh it was it was significantly better than episode okay. one and then episode three was better than episode two so, so it's exponentially yeah. like rising they're, they're, nice. I think they're gonna get it together I, I, I have faith that they're gonna get it together as soon as they stop with the voiceovers yeah <laughs> um, like it drove me bonkers actually in right. the last episode because Kate would say something and then in the in the voiceover like reading her journal right. out loud to Batman yeah as you do um, as you do which it, I mean really it doesn't make sense because why would you need to read it out loud right yeah like, I know writing it why like, is there a why voiceover? would you be reading it to him <laughs> but at any rate she reads her journal entry and then in the very next scene she discusses the same damn thing with her sister slash the villain they could have just had that scene. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like they literally had a great scene between the sisters yeah. discussing Kate's feelings and the insecurities and the things that she's doing. Yeah. Whereas right before that, Kate had just finished reading Saying it that. to us from God. her Batman journal. So I'm like, guys, this is basic stuff. Yeah, basic, cut the journal stuff. shit out. Cut it out. Just let me live, please. Let me <laughs> love you. I want to yeah. love you. Just let me love you. <laughs> it's good to hear, though, that it's getting better. That makes me want to give it another chance, for well, sure. I mean, don't jump the gun. I'll keep you up <laughs> Yes, I can always binge it later <laughs> if it true. ends up. Yes, yeah. this is true. I, I, will, I will keep you updated, but... Thank you. On to distribution of queer content. As you all know, I mean, unless this is like your first episode of The Queer Bean that you're listening to, we're producing a a web series. And, you know, once it is in the world, it needs some place to live. Yes. So we figured we'd talk about, you know, what those options are and what kind of goes into making those decisions as far as where you want to put your content, whether it's a short film, a web series, um, you know, or a feature length film, because, you know, the avenues for, for queer content might not be as straightforward as (laughs) things. The pun is in. I wish I, I could have said it was. I wish it was intentional. I know, it really wasn't. but it was so perfect. <laughs> so perfect. Straightforward. Oh, Got it. I'm so mad that I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> you will learn over time how to pun with intention man. on the next episode. You know, I'm usually pretty good at it. It's a, I mean, it's maybe you're just doing it right. or something. I guess. It could have been subconscious. Um, that's yeah, most yeah. likely. Most likely. Just take the credit. Yeah, yes, thank you. I will. Um so yeah, as far as oil is concerned, out in love, what when you were envisioning this project, mm-hmm. where did you see it ending up? So that's I mean, I feel like 
when I write a series, um, and we've kind of mentioned this before, writing a series versus a web series, it's taken me a long time to envision things for web um, because at the end of the day, my first vision is always some kind of streaming service, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of. I don't really think about like cable kinds? to be on. Like, um, like maybe like if it's not Netflix, maybe it's on Hulu or some kind of big big name is what mm-hmm. I would always think first when I'm envisioning it. Something where I don't have to deal with um, a network. Yeah. Uh, just because I've always feared with queer content any kind of restrictions put upon you by cable television of what you can show, what you can't show, what words you can say. And now, you know, Out in Love is by no means some kind of rated X content. What? But I know, right? <laughs> and suddenly we have no viewers or listeners. <laughs> like everyone's just unsubscribes. <laughs> They're like, this is what I was doing Not this what for. I was here for it. <laughs> right. But um, with queer content, traditionally, it's viewed differently, unfortunately, uh, than regular old straight content is. And, uh, and that goes for, you know, a queer kiss or a queer love scene is just always considered more racy than a straight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope those things are changing, but I've been also to- told that that's not always the case, even on platforms such as um, YouTube, which is interesting. Um, Say more about that. Well, actually, it was brought to my attention that um, YouTube will often age restrict queer content for a kiss. Ooh, yeah, really? So, yeah, so that you have to be eighteen and up to watch for uh, for a, a, a lesbian a, kiss, a uh, gay, a homosexual, any, any kind, kind of, of yeah, LGBT any kind of right kiss. kind of kiss. Yeah, huh. and, yeah, and I mean, I I have to say I didn't know that, and I wasn't. And when I was first told this, I I wasn't really phased by it too much because I was thinking, well, out in love in general, our audience will probably be over 18. Um, and I, I hadn't thought about it too much. I'm like, well, all they have to do is sign in. But then the more I've thought about it, the more it just makes me angry. Right. <laughs> because it isn't fair. I would want anyone who wants to watch uh, the show to be able to watch it, especially when when we're talking about a kiss, because a kiss is shown in cartoons even. A a kiss is shown of all types for all ages. Um, Movies for teens. And we're talking about you have to be 18 and up. Mm -hmm. So even kids in high school are being restricted from seeing uh, two women kiss on YouTube. That's Uh, really interesting. I wonder how their algorithm... Right. Um works in that you know there are some pretty successful queer web series on youtube so i would be interested to hear from from them if it's more restricted based on like your subscribers how many subscribers you have right do they loosen the i mean the restriction shouldn't be there at all first right right but it shouldn't be there at all right of course to know like you know if there's a line as far as uh, right um how successful you are and yeah. how the algorithm interacts with whatever content you're creating and i mean i think it's especially for from what i understand for short films or web series or things that have you know a a lot of kissing or implied intimacy but things that aren't again no nudity no, you know, just like, you know, like for instance, our, our, whatever, anything, if there's a makeout scene, just anything like that would be restricted. Our um, whatever. Oh, I was going to mention our pilot, but I, I honestly don't want to give anything okay. away about our pilot. So that's, <laughs> that's why I stopped myself. Cause I was like, well, I don't want to, I like talking about our pilot, right. but I no, do want yeah. people to be surprised. Right, right, right. Don't give it all away. 
Yeah, so that <laughs> that was me trying to be cunning. Okay. To be like, but okay. yeah, I know. But whatever was just so dismissive. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> I, know. I know. Well, I was hoping that people would just kind of like breeze on past that. Yeah, but yeah, but not me. Not the analyticals. <laughs> yeah, I should have known. Should have known. Yeah, no, but so it it is something to think about. Um, and to take into consideration with with networks, but apparently also with YouTube as a platform, which is where a lot of shows live mm-hmm. uh, that are trying to get their start because YouTube is something that when we're talking about distribution, feels like a very good, up till now, feels like a very good um, step one on uh, how to get your fan base going. And what if, do you think makes it a good step one? Well, they have like a lot right now they've developed really good analytics that you as a user or as the person owning the the channel. Yeah. The content creator, they have like a lab, uh, on their site that it's like for creators. Right. And you can basically see, uh, who's watching it, what countries, what, demographics like Mm -hmm. it's kind of doing a lot of the marketing work for you that um that you don't always get from other sites and that way you can start understanding who is drawn to your show and if it's not the right audience too you can start you know thinking of how you want to tweak your marketing it just gives you all that data that nowadays data is everything uh for digital content especially and a lot of companies will charge you lots of money to give you data like that and to give you those kinds of specifics so i think it's kind of cool that that just comes with the territory um for youtube also their whole um their whole program that they have where if once you have 10,000 subscribers, you can unlock their YouTube uh, facilities, at least um, wherever they have a studio space. Like here in LA, they have YouTube Space LA. And if you're a content creator and you have 10K followers and up, you unlock different perks. And that's like access to editing rooms and equipment and sound stages. I mean, it's, it's pretty great if you're gonna be doing ongoing content. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if you're space just, is really amazing. Right, YouTube yeah. Space LA. I know they have we, that one and one in New York. Yes. And then eight and others think, across the yeah. world. Canada, Toronto maybe? Yeah, I, don't know. I think maybe. That seems right. Or maybe yeah. Vancouver? Yeah, one, maybe of those. one of those. Yeah. <laughs> don't quote us on that. <laughs> but yes. One in Brazil, they, I think, Right, perhaps. yeah. They have a few of them, and they keep wanting to pop up more of them. And, and, and it's... It's truly like the LA facility is amazing. Um, I mean, the amount of space that there is, the fact that it's it's a lot of things that I haven't seen since a space like that where you can do whatever you'd like in since film school probably where it's like That's you have access. What it's yeah, like. yeah, yeah. You have all this access except you're not and free paying coffee student loans. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, they had free coffee. Yeah, had such a delicious coffee there. Mm. I know, Jesus. <laughs> when I was like, this is free, this is included. <laughs> They're all just like, just order. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that is dangerous with me. I'm going to put them out of business. <laughs> like, just just letting y'all know. But, they got um, the money. right, they, they do. Um, but, and how it works too, I mean, 10K follower or 10K subscribers, that doesn't unlock all of the perks. I, I want to be clear about that. They have kind of levels of, for instance, with 10K followers or subscribers, you can, I think you can shoot in their smaller sound right. stage kind of space where it, it, it's still a room right. that you can light and shoot something in that's a space that you're not having to rent, but it's a lot smaller and you can still use their editing suites, I think. And, and you, then- you have time restrictions and things Right, like that. yeah, and you have to book things uh, like in their system, book time. Again, kind of like college, it's like a film school. Essentially, yep. And you can monetize um, your content on YouTube. Uh, It's not as easy as, you know, you put like a video on there and suddenly it goes viral and now you're a billionaire. (laughs) You know, you have to be like invited to monetize basically. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so based on, I actually don't even know what the what the rules for monetization right. are as far as how you get invited. I'm sure it has something to do with the amount of subscribers that you have. Right. Yeah. And, and so once you views and stuff. Right. So views and subscribers, and once you reach an amount on your channel. Well, you you know you have. I'm sure you have to have a channel, right? Yeah. So once you reach whatever that amount is, then YouTube would be like, "Hey, you want to come? You know, make some money with us?" And then you're yeah. like, "Yes, actually, it's literally why I'm here <laughs> to make some money um, with you guys." Um, so you know that's that's an option, and I've seen a lot of. I feel like most queer web series go to YouTube, right? It's just the easiest route for a lot of people who don't want to also do the the legwork that is looking for a distributor because it's it's also kind of a headache um, when you're trying to figure out where your content's going to land and YouTube has just made it very easy for anyone to kind of get a channel going right. and get a page and they just make it very user-friendly so that... Um, content creators who are just starting out it's it's easy to put stuff on there I've have a channel I've put stuff on there always because it they don't charge you for it there's not something where you have to have a contract with them necessarily um, and also as far as I know you there's no non-compete um, if you have your videos up on YouTube you can have them on wherever else Right. you want and it's up to them whatever deal you have with that other distributor but it's not like YouTube's gonna be like oh what you you want to get this on HBO you can't because <laughs> you're locked <laughs> you're locked in with us like I mean the, the odds HBO of that might have <laughs> right <in> that exact <laughs> way are highly <laughs> unlikely right but what could happen is you could be like Issa Rae and right. have awkward black girl on YouTube, mm -hmm. and then um, you know get your name out there, get your talents out there, and people start to notice. And then HBO offers you a deal, right? Right. And now whatever your original content was that you were essentially giving away um, for free yeah. just to make a name for yourself, now someone is coming and saying, "Hey, actually." you're pretty good we'd like to pay you we'd like to work yeah, with you and yeah. you get to create new content for whatever whoever's going to turn over some dollars for you right now do you and think that's, that's the, the ideal yeah and i think that's the other great thing about youtube is just the amount of people that are on it and the amount of people that will be looking for content through it rather than if you go with smaller more unknown platforms it's, you're kind of limiting, like subscription-based platforms, you're limiting it to whoever has that subscription and can see that content. So mm -hmm. if you are making content with the goal of having other people notice and having a network or someone uh, scouting for talent be interested and see it, I feel like YouTube will get you the most eyes right. possible. So. so basically exposure versus something that might give you a monetary benefit immediately right. because right. with YouTube it's going to take a lot of time oh yeah <laughs> um for you to start monetizing your content yeah especially with queer content um for maybe sure. less so with like I don't know people are really into like opening unboxing things yeah I, I hear that's really big on on YouTube I sound like an old person here that's really big <laughs> on the YouTube um <laughs> But it's going to take the you a same while <laughs> to get um, to a place where you're monetizing. So mm -hmm. an alternative to that, if you're not just in it for exposure, but you would like some um, money, you know, back on your investment, there are places like Tello, which is a um, streaming platform that focuses only on lesbian and bisexual women yeah. um as far as as far as i've seen so far yeah so they have web series i think they are um expanding into 
films now. I know they're doing a big yeah. push for for Christmas films, which I'm very excited about. Right, Season of Love. Right, because I'm all like, yes, give me my queer holiday Hallmark <laughs> yeah. film. Give it to me. Yeah, I've been wanting this for forever so <laughs> i will gladly uh um watch that so you have a, a, a streaming service like that where let's say you make your web series um and you don't want to go the youtube route and you offer it to tello and they'll make a deal with you and you'll you know you'll get a check every quarter depending on yeah. how many people you can funnel um to the site and depending on how many people subscribe and how many people watch your show, obviously. Right. Um, so you have options like that. There's also Vimeo. People uh, do Vimeo quite a bit. It's definitely a smaller platform than YouTube. Right. Are you familiar with? Yeah, I am. I mean, I've, on there? I honestly have never watched a web series on there. I've seen a lot of it's always where I get um, professional reels from. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of DPs and actors even put on their, especially like, or visual effects people, like they, they'll put their reels on there. Um, Cause I think it has a higher quality yes. uh, that they allow you to have, right? Like for yes. your videos. So I, that's, I see the value in that because it is frustrating when you do spend a lot of money to shoot something, you know, in 4K or something really nice and then you have to kind of, I don't know how much YouTube has changed, but I know that YouTube's qualities, when you're transferring it over, everything just kind of lowers in quality a bit and that used to frustrate me a bit. Um, so visually speaking, I, I get why people would use that other platform, but I, I'll just be honest, I've never been driven to check out what they have. Yeah, I have, and it's not, the way their platform is set up, I feel like you already have to have a, an audience because their, their platform is right. actually really nice and they allow you to monetize as if you're creating your own streaming platform, right? And so people oh, can okay. um, pay you a subscription fee. And of course, Vimeo takes a cut. Um, right, well, but, yeah. Or you can, you know, rent your, your things or... So I don't know if people can purchase your content, but they can definitely rent and you can definitely basically create your own mini Netflix uh, hmm. for your, you know, for your company, your your mini studio, what have right. you, or your or your your web series. So that's really interesting. I have seen, um, I think I've mentioned Venice the series before. I oh, yeah. do know that they they used to host their content on their own site, and mm. I believe they have moved over to Vimeo. But they already have a huge. Um, following audience, yeah. a huge following so I wouldn't really do I wouldn't necessarily do Vimeo right out of the gate unless your marketing is on point and you yeah. know you can drive people to yeah. that website but I do like I do like their platform a lot hmm. good to know there's also um, let's say you don't want to do YouTube because you know YouTube is like the man now. You want to fight the power. Right. <laughs> and you don't want to do Vimeo. I, do, I researched this thing called, oh my gosh, Uscreen, I think. I might be saying it wrong. But it basically cuts out the middleman of Vimeo uh -huh. and or YouTube. And you can create your own subscription service on your own website. Oh. And people can pay you directly and they can, um, you know, subscribe or they right. can rent or you can, you know, put things there for free, however you want to do it. It's literally creating your own personal Netflix Platform. type right. of service. And so the way they work is you pay them a flat fee just for hosting essentially okay you know and so they're not like taking a cut of every um 
at least if I remember correctly, they're not taking a cut of every subscriber that you have or something like right. that. It's just a flat fee up front to use their, you know, the basics of their platform to build your own platform in yeah. essence. So I think that's a really cool option, especially if you're creating lots of content. Yeah, like multiple yeah, things. You're gonna yeah. have multiple shows and films and things like that. You know, you're gonna do your own little mini studio or you want your own TV network. This is definitely a economical way to go yeah. about it and you have more control and you don't have to worry about things like algorithms right. that may hide your content on right. platforms like YouTube. Still though, I think the risky thing always is it's like what you said about having a following or knowing that you can drive people mm -hmm. to your site because with individual websites i've always found people are more weary to like they have to know about it to go to your website right. and want to subscribe and want to go to your website every time to watch this thing because people tend to binge watch multiple shows of different kinds at once and so if they're already on a platform like YouTube or anywhere else and they're streaming stuff, it's kind of like, oh, new content pops up and something else is going. And then it's like you fall down the wormhole of the internet where then you just keep looking things up. And I feel like that's why people go to these larger host sites that they already know, like YouTube or if it's a streaming platform like Netflix or you know, I think Amazon Prime is a thing sometimes. Um, it, it is, not sometimes, yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There's just, and that's the thing too, is that there's a lot of platforms, and if you are someone who's just starting out, I feel like starting out with step one being creating your own platform mm -hmm. is a risk, because... Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is a risk. But I, like I said, I think it depends on what your goal is. Right, yeah. You know, if your goal is exposure, then no, absolutely don't try to start your own <laughs> yeah. platform. Don't do that. And, you know, don't go to Vimeo, you know. If you just want exposure, go to YouTube. Right. That's the bottom line, I'd say. Um, if you want to create lots and lots and lots of content, depending on the type of content, right. perhaps start your own platform. And I say that because depending on how niche your audience is, you can find that oh, yeah. specific audience. And right? If you're come. just trying to do something for everybody, it's not gonna right. work. But if yeah. you're like, well, this platform is very specifically yeah. like neo-noir, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things that take place in 1950s, right. whatever, something super specific. London that, trans. You, it, <laughs> you know, it. <laughs> if, that, if you have that, then yes, I think it could be beneficial to create your right. own platform because those people are going to find you. Oh yeah, you specificity, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you're just like, no, it's just a show about like people in their 20s falling in love, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. No, and that's very true. The more niche you are, um, your own website's always gonna be the best place to host something because people, yes, who are looking for that, they will find you and they will love it when they get to your site and they see all your neo-noir <laughs> uh, shorts and uh, shows and like it's, you know, it is kind of like a fetish, <laughs> You want you people will. to be like, you want people to be like, yes, take my money. I, have, right, I say yeah. that all the time. Yeah. When I find something that I am really into, I can't wait to spend money on it. Oh yeah, I for love sure. to support the things that I love and that I think are, you know, doing something doing something great, doing something really well, then I have no problems um, giving over some of my money. But of course you have people who will never want to pay for anything. Right. And that's a fact. And speaking of uh, paying for things, um, Seed and Spark is another platform that is interesting because Seed and Spark mixes crowdfunding with streaming platform. So they do, they're just like a Indiegogo or Kickstarter, right? But they are specifically for film, uh, TV show, you know, just that kind of media. It, it's not like, you're not gonna see 
tech gadgets or right. any other kind of fundraising. So that's one point that I like that's kind of cool too because anyone who goes on there to try to fund something is specifically looking to fund a show or something or a movie or something to watch. So already you get the right kind of investor. Mm -hmm. Second of all, what they do is they will often, um, their process works with, they will like green light your show. Um, if you, once you hit a certain target in your funding process, you'll be green lit and they will often offer you distribution through their site where it's kind of like they try to market it as a crowdfunding distribution all-in-one campaign where, okay, you'll get, you'll get to stream your show through their site. And so you already brought the people there who wanted to fund it, and then they can stay on and watch shows that have gotten funded and that are greenlit. And so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. It's still subscription-based because you have to be a Seedenspark subscriber in order to watch their content. So it's not open and free like um, YouTube or would be, but uh, it's it's interesting. I I wonder because I feel like I see what they're doing because if you are on a campaign with a show from start to finish and you're seeing them get funded and you you can instantly watch it right mm -hmm. there. It's not like a, okay, now what? Where are they showing this right. at? Or like, you don't have to keep checking back for updates or it's like, it's gonna be there. That's where it's at now, like the place you gave the money. And then while you're funding them, you might also start watching other content. And what I've noticed too is that there's a lot of ongoing campaigns where they'll release you know, let's say season one, but while you're watching season one, there's also like the, oh, hey, we have our crowdfunding campaign going for season two. So like click here and like, if you want to fund, here's the stuff that we're still getting from our wish list. So it's kind of a, a way to combine constant funding as well, because you, you, you're also able to show people uh, the show without them leaving that site They they could stream and binge it and then click on something and continue to fund it and see your next campaign and see similar campaigns. They also tend to focus a lot on, uh, women and women of color, um, with their campaigns, which I, I really like that as well. That's kind of like part of their mission statement to get that kind of content on, out there. And they have a lot of queer content as well. So it's not, you know, it's not, it's broad, but it's not that broad. Um, but that's something to think about um, even when you're looking for crowdfunding options as well. And I believe that of the crowdfunding options, they have the highest success rate for right. um, film and web series content. And I believe, as you said, it's for the reason that if you're on that site, that's what you're yeah. looking to give your money to you know right. films short films web series etc not you know whatever cool gadget right. might be coming down or well, game or what have you yeah so they are very successful as far as completions yeah another reason too why i think they're so successful is part of their process you can't just open an account and say, okay, here's my project. Let's, let me do my crowdfunding page and submit, they mm -hmm. take a cut. You actually have to first be vetted by them uh, and they will kind of run you through, like they will basically critique your, your, your pitch, your idea, and kind of give, give you pointers of what you have to fix and if your project is ready to start. That that's, yeah, level. that's excellent. That's yeah. You're you're not going to get that anywhere else. Exactly, and I mean that's what caught my eye about them a long time ago was the the feedback portion that they're willing to work with you. They also have even like tutorials that they will send you on like things about running your campaign because they want a success rate because that's how they make their money. Right. They they don't make any money if you don't succeed. So they're trying to give you the tools to make sure, and I, I think that's 
a really great way to approach it of like, because a lot of people are green when it comes to crowdfunding campaigns and you know, you just don't know what to do. And you think that your pitch is very clear. You think that, oh yeah, this is, these are my numbers. Or maybe you don't even think you need to present a specific budget to people that, oh yeah, just say, I need, uh, I don't know, 10 grand for what stuff? <laughs> like a lot of people don't know. Um, I didn't know a lot until just this the past six months I've been doing so many like, workshops and things related to the research of crowdfunding because we're gonna be crowdfunding in April 2020. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. See you on the other side. <laughs> but um but so, one hundred right. million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll draw up a budget of why, because <laughs> I can. Give me the challenge. I will show you a pie chart. Very. <laughs> we'll show you where we will use that million dollars. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a really uh, cool thing that they're doing by providing feedback and not just letting everyone out the gate just put up a project that's just doomed to fail. Yeah, that's really excellent. I mean. Since we since we've dabbed our our toes here into crowdfunding, <laughs> we should right. mention what are all of the options for crowdfunding your project. So we mentioned Seed and Spark. Of course, there's the uh, the one everybody knows, Kickstarter. Um, right. There's Indiegogo, and there is uh, Patreon. I would say oh, right. those. Four. Of course, there are a lot of other um, crowdfunding um, websites out there, but I'd say those four are probably the top yeah, hitters, like the big yeah, guys. They have all the, the majority of the market share as far as crowdfunding is concerned for these types of things. Um, have you done crowdfunding before in any of those? I have not. I've heard a lot of good things about Indiegogo. That's usually the other thing the one that most filmmakers mm -hmm. tell me that they've used and had success with has been Indiegogo. It's just very popular um, because I, I believe Indiegogo is the type that you can keep. Yeah, you don't have to what fund... What you make? You don't have to fund your projects completely in order to get the money, which the is money, different right. from Kickstarter, where on Kickstarter, if you're not fully funded... It's like, That's oh, it. well, <laughs> yeah, you tried. You tried. <laughs> so right. with Indiegogo, you do get to um, take whatever you have raised. The difference, of course, is that Indiegogo takes a higher percentage of what has mm -hmm. been funded if you do not right. meet your funding goal. I have used Indiegogo in the past. I've never used um, Kickstarter, so I don't really yeah. have. The only experience I have with Kickstarter is like giving money on Kickstarter. But right. I have had a couple of campaigns for various things, not just film, on um, on Indiegogo, yeah. and I did. I liked I liked their process. It's it's pretty simple, you know. It's hi. I wanna. I have this thing that I want to make. <laughs> this is why I want to make it. Here's what you can get if you give me a dollar, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And repeat. You know. Here's what you can get if you yeah. give me five dollars. You know. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So they're all basically the same. Um, right. Patreon is a bit different. Patreon, of course, is more like a, a subscription type hmm. of service. So I would say for Patreon, you you kind of already want to have an audience. Right. So you can say, hey, every new, um, every new video I put out, you know, or every new podcast episode or, or post or whatever, you know, then you support with $2 a month or $5 a month or something like that. So that it's an ongoing um, relationship support. between the content creator and the audience. So, you know, there are perks to that as well. Um, so, you know, different different projects for, for, for different things. Yeah, I know um, I, I have a friend whose web series, they're starting uh, Patreon now because they're on season two just finished wrapping or and they've been letting that out. And so they've already 
had uh, like an ongoing following mm-hmm. that they're they're getting so it does make sense as you're saying uh to do that in a later stage not like right away mm-hmm. because i mean of course it doesn't but, hurt to, to start right. it at the beginning but right. um i think it's you'll definitely have greater success probably if you already have a bit of an audience going going right. into it because you know what's yeah. really interesting with crowdfunding is that people want to see that other people like it yeah in order like for everything them to in life. like it too i mean you're right it's just well, yeah. like life it's just like life yeah so if they're like oh other people are super into this okay then i'm yeah. gonna be super into it as as oh, well yeah. so there's definitely that sort of crowd mentality when it comes to oh yeah i mean crowdfunding, crowdfunding so much of it is just the preparation mm-hmm. Um, from everything that I've heard and seen, it's a lot about, you know, knowing when to, you know, how many people can invest even ahead of time and then having them put in their investments at strategic times in the campaign because people want to give money always to the thing that's already getting a lot of money. It's so funny. Yeah. Because they're part of the winning team. I always find it so funny because I always see like things that get overfunded, you know, and they, they, exceed the goal and people still keep giving yeah. it like they got the goal but people are just so excited they're like look at all that money and it's not even like they're not making it but it just gives you joy where you're like man they're rolling yeah. in it look at it look how much money they got they did it you know I and mean, it excites the people the trash fire so you want to see people win you know you just want yeah. to be a part of it and it makes everybody feel good but it's just funny because you would think that maybe you see a campaign struggling and you're like, oh man, let me give them, let me help them out. No. But no, <laughs> we want to let them die. It's natural selection at, at work like, where we're nah, like, something's mm, wrong with you guys. Yeah. Like, oh, we're like, there's a reason. Just me? I'm the only person looking at this? Oh no, on to the next yeah. thing. You know. Just be like, they, they need to learn. They need to learn that nobody <laughs> likes like them. You guys yeah. need to do better. Better luck next time. Right. You know. Yeah, which is why it's so important to to also just be developing your marketing and your fan base and all that before your crowdfunding even begins. Because to start at, just like anything digital, you need to have an audience. And I feel like that's something that I've thankfully learned by now. But when I was first making content, I shot a, a web pilot and I, I put it out on YouTube and I just remember being like, all right, now the people come. <laughs> like nothing, nothing Cheers. done. No, no. Right. Yeah. Like no, no advertising, no marketing. Like there was no. People were just uh, waiting for you to Right. No this. social media presence. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like, bam, it's out. All right. Yeah. That's not, on in. That's yeah. not how it works. It's not how it works. You know. Yeah. Funny enough, that mentality is the same mentality that, like, you know, uh, my mom and uh, grandparents probably had. And it's just, it's funny that I was just as naive as a lot of people older people in my family who would probably be like, oh, yeah, just put it on, who still tell me things like, just put it on. Just put it on. I was there. wondering where you gets... were going with this. I, I just like, I couldn't <laughs> see the path, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, because. I, I feel like, like the there's back a... in the day when they were uploading content to <laughs> <laughs> Nah, no, but there's there's definitely been there's always someone telling me like, you know what you need to do? You need to get famous already. Hey, Just put something on YouTube. What are you and I'm like for? Yeah. Hurry up already. Well, right. And it's like build it and oh, they will come. That's right. Yeah, that's a yeah. lie doesn't happen that way in the digital age although i do kind of i feel like yes and no right whereas if something is really really good yeah people will people will find it people will find it but i mean it has to be still gotta know how to find it really really good because then what happens is word of mouth right Right, so if the content is good like excellent not just good but excellent, yeah. right? If you're giving people something that they need, you're you're fulfilling a need within this audience, right. not just something that they kind of want, but you are yeah. fulfilling a need in them, then yeah. you're gonna connect with these people and they're gonna tell somebody else and they're gonna tell somebody else. And that's like yeah. the really old fashioned way of spreading the word about whatever your project is. But I think even in the digital age, it's still valuable 
but you have it to is. be very specific and very intentional about I mean that's kind of redundant but you have to be very intentional right. yeah. about what you're creating and who you're creating it for I think yeah. a lot of times today people kind of get lost in the content creation mm-hmm. era there's so much there's too much content there's, there's, a lot of there's content. too much content so if you're creating something that looks like 1500 1 million other things there's yeah. no way for you to stand out you know it's, true. it's just it's gonna it's almost impossible specificity though it, it, that's, it all that's goes back the name to of the that. game it all goes back to that you know start with why you're telling this story and why that story is going to resonate with other people and then make it really good super easy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah very simple so and no worries about it be, at all you know the next uh shonda rhymes right so we've talked about youtube and you know vimeo and crowdfunding and all that but i kind of would like to know there's this area that we haven't really discussed and it's broadcast television and cable you know television Mm. and the possibilities of making the jump from being Mm. sort of an indie content creator specifically a queer indie content creator into going mainstream i guess you know one example i gave earlier was Issa ray who you know was putting out all this content on youtube and that's how everybody started to know who she is and you know now she has now she has 100 million projects yeah (laughs) you know and she has projects on hbo more you know multiple projects on hbo and she's continuing to grow her business so do you ever like what do you think about making that jump is that a jump that you want to make or is it or do you want to stay more independent so I would it's it's funny you mentioned HBO because if I would work with a network it would be HBO um I sat in on some panels uh, uh earlier this summer um that had some writers from Insecure um, as well as uh, some casting and production, uh, like a few, there was a producer from Insecure on the panel as well. And they were just talking about the process of pitching content to HBO. And they were talking about how HBO is very much about um, investing in their creators and in contrast to Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, they were saying that Netflix is not known for that. They're very much like kind of like, okay, here's the thing. Now move on. Very hands now, off. Now what's the yeah? They're Netflix. very hands off, and so things drop off Netflix, and it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing? There's so many people who are trying to get their content on there that I I don't think their mo is to focus on creators. Um, it doesn't seem like it, but they were talking about how HBO is very very much about investing in the process and in their creator and in keeping that uh, that content going and seeing it as a long haul thing and not just like a, oh, okay, we'll put you on this network and if season one doesn't work out, that's fine. We're gonna get rid of you and something new will pop up. And I kind of like the idea that they wanna work with creators. Um, I think it would be great to if if I got out in love on HBO, I would love that, um, and I would be down for it. I I have a lot of respect for a lot of the shows that have been through HBO, um, and like anything, it's you know, end of the day, a network is a network. It is inviting a whole team of people who are not going to you know necessarily always see eye to eye with you on your show and your vision. And you know, like the more the more that there is at stake, the bigger the production, the more money, obviously it's gonna, it's not gonna be the same as going the indie route of like, oh, I control everything mm-hmm. about my content, about how it's marketed, about the advertising. But something that they were talking about in the HBO panel was that they do invest a lot in the advertising and marketing and trying to keep it 
like trying to build the brand as to how the creator sees it and make it for that show and really push the show in advertising because as we know, advertising is everything. And a lot of shows fail because they just don't have advertising money going in. It's kind of just like, it's the same with the music industry where the music industry would do this thing a lot where they would sign someone for a record deal and people would be like, yeah, I got a record deal. But it would just be a deal for like, okay, we're gonna pay for you to record this record. And it would include things like that, but then it had no money included in the deal for actually marketing the album, for advertising, for anything after that. So people would just have this record that they produced and a record deal is essentially a loan. And so they can't pay this money back. They have no record sales because the record company didn't give you any money to advertise it. So your record basically gets shelved is what they would call it. And that's it. And that was a, and a good scam. Right, yeah. I don't and understand that's a good the music scam. industry at all. Like, <laughs> oh, as, yeah. far as, yeah. as far as the artist is concerned, like, oh, it, it no. just boggles yeah. my mind. The music it's an industry. open scam, basically. Yeah. That people, I mean, when I got into the music industry for a little while, when I dabbled, <laughs> I remember that was a warning I received from almost every recording engineer, every person that I would meet, anyone in entertainment law, people would just be like, well, you know, don't just take any deal, okay? Read that contract, read that contract, because... I mean, yeah, you learned that watching VH1 behind the music. <laughs> right. <It's, laughs> Back when that was a thing. Yeah, but it's very true. Uh, and for all purposes and any kind of industry, read the contract, yes, for please. sure. That please should be... That. <laughs> always read the contract. Have a lawyer read the contract have someone who understands it if you don't understand don't just assume that everyone has your best interests because that's crazy talk yeah <laughs> it's crazy talk and even if they do it, it what they might think is your best interest might not match up with what you actually want so always read please read the fine print <laughs> yeah please all of it i think you bring up a really good point um between a place like hbo and a place like netflix right I remember listening to this podcast once again. I've, I've shouted this podcast out many times called The Writer's Panel. And I'll do it again right now. You should listen to it. Shout out. it's great. <laughs> um, but they had some executives on from HBO and from Freeform, which, as you know, it's my favorite yes. network. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, some other places. <laughs> and they may have... Bit, I don't know if there was a Netflix person there, but they were talking to HBO specifically about, well, how do you compete with Netflix because Netflix has so much money and mm-hmm. they have so much content. How do you compete with that? And the person who was there from HBO, and this was somebody that was really high up in the food chain, she yeah. said, she says, we don't, we don't compete with that. We cannot compete with that. So what we can do is give you extremely high quality yep. products and focus on the people who are making those products and be an artist centered um, yes. place and not just putting out content just to put it out and so right. that it gets lost and right. everybody forgets about it the mm-hmm. next day because you watched it all on Saturday yeah yeah I mean that is what Netflix says <laughs> I mean really And it's really hard. I love to binge a show. However, I was just saying to a friend the other day, like, I miss having a show that I could look forward to every week, you know, something that I just love so much that I just cannot wait until whatever day of the week that comes on so I can, like, watch it and have that experience. Right, and pace it out. And pace it out, right. Yeah. So, you know, that's missing. So HBO, that's your, that's where you would most like to get your content if you could as far as cable. What about broadcast? Oh, I mean... Any of them? Or no, not I mean, I agree with you that Freeform is great. No, I mean broadcast, like ABC, CBS, oh, oh no, NBC, Nuh-uh. CW, <laughs> Fox. Uh, no, no, I, you would say no to them. I They'd be honestly, like, hey, Poopo, here's. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how they always address me. Yeah, here's a five-year deal. Um, here's a five-year development deal. 
if you would say no to all of those broadcast networks wow I mean, wow long I just, silence well, it's cause that's I mean, amazing well I'm thinking about for this project for Out in Love I just I want I, I don't like restrictions mm-hmm. so much and I just feel like I would be so restricted and I've just heard so many um just I mean I know you're gonna get notes right well yeah 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 but I mean like you're gonna get a lot of that's what I've heard well you know can we change this and can we do that and the focus group said this and it didn't test well for that there's gonna be a lot of interference when it comes to and see that's the the thing is that I don't deal very well with people who are numbers people getting mm-hmm. involved in creative because I've lived this. I worked uh, for a company that dealt with advertising and we did commercial work. And oh boy, that was great. Dealing with ad agencies and their idea of what good content should be and how they cast, how they do everything. Racism everywhere, as far as I can see. That's all it is. It's just so much racism and so much whitewashing and so much just like the things that I would have to live through. And maybe it wouldn't be that bad as that, but it would be similar in some ways. I just, and, and that is... I, I feel like the reason I make content is because I want to tell these stories that aren't being told. I want to highlight the things that people are trying not to highlight on broadcast television. And so that's the that's where I'm at, at an impasse. Yeah. yeah. Would it be cool as a content creator, as anyone, a director, actor, if someone offers you like, hey, do you want to be on network television? Or like, do you want to be on ABC and have a show? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why the long pause, of course, there's like, yeah, that would be amazing, probably be good money and all that, but Assuming it wouldn't be Assuming that you tr- don't get canceled after three episodes. Exactly, exactly. Right. It wouldn't be, <laughs> if it's not going to be the story that I want to tell, if it's going to end up being so cut up mm-hmm. and edited by numbers, uh, by producers, by people who are just trying to give a safe version of my story, a version they think middle America and everyone will watch, you know, something where it's, again, the opposite of specificity because I feel like that's what cable is. It's like, you know, we're all talking about getting really specific and cable's all about like, well, let's just try to make this what we think viewers want to see and let's when make this... When you say cable, I, I noticed that you're talking about it in a interesting way like you're saying hbo and then you're saying cable so i mean hbo is cable so but are it's you a, separating, it's subscription trying, you know you do have your subscription and then you have basic cable but all basic cable channels are not made equal you know right you yeah. have some really excellent excellent high quality award-winning shows on right. basic cable so i don't want you to throw all of basic cable right. away <laughs> with you know the things that are actually good about it like you know kill eve right no very true <laughs> very true i i did not yeah i did not mean to generalize all cable no 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 but um but yeah it, i don't think when i'm thinking for the future of out in love i don't think um broadcast uh will be the route that i'm trying to get yeah i mean shonda rhimes said as you know she was the queen of abc and when she left and jumped ship to netflix she mentioned how refreshing it was to deal with people (laughs) who didn't think showing her numbers had would have an impact on her creativity and that's the broadcast life you know yeah it's very numbers driven whereas but i think you can go too far in the other direction as well where netflix doesn't give any notes and so do i trust you know your shonda rhimes is of the world to be successful 
in that arena yes however a lot of netflix shows have some serious serious pacing issues oh yeah you know and that's because they disappear too there's no (laughs) one saying hey this is too much sometimes feedback is good so i think there's you know there's a middle ground and i think a place like hbo and a place like freeform is (laughs) (laughs) is probably you know of course you have like your your amcs right you know i think that's where breaking bad was no annie i don't know i'm one of those people like i've never watched breaking bad like yeah terrible students of film that I have never seen. I mean, I I I didn't either ever watch it. I mean, I hear it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's amazing. But anybody who knows me knows I am not going to watch a show about a white guy. Like, that's just, I I can't. I'm not even going to lie and be like, I'm going to try. I am not going I'm not going to do it. I did, however, watch the teaser, the opening teaser um, for the pilot episode of Breaking Bad because it was done really well and I was trying to learn about how to open up a television show, how to do a pilot correctly. We can talk about that in another episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other... (laughs) So, in short, make something amazing, be specific about what you want to make, and then HBO will call you and say, here's some money, come come join right. us. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's how Hollywood works. So Right, yes. Christina, but, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me at uh, Christina, with a K, Pupo, P-U-P-O, and that's Christina Pupo wherever you look, Twitter, IG, Google me do it (laughs) (laughs) and you can find me at elicia the great that's e-l-i-s-h-i-a that's also the name of the website and where this podcast lives if you haven't done so already go ahead and follow us on ig on twitter subscribe to the podcast yes leave a review we'll love you forever if you do thanks for listening bye thank you bye